0: Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Tonight, we're going to be discussing a very hot topic in the church. I I think it's actually one of the biggest issues facing the church right now, and it's this uh, new way in which homosexuality and uh, other stuff is infiltrating the church and sexual deviancy and stuff like that. It's like the newest wave of that, and that's what is commonly called Side B Theology. Uh, side B theology is their terminology. Uh, maybe you can correct me on the etymology on it. And my understanding of the epistemology is that side A is shorthand for acceptance. They use side X as shorthand for X gay. And then side B is like a discography reference. Um, I don't know. I don't think B is shorthand for anything that I know of. But I have that's no my idea. Under, that's my understanding of the origin. But it's basically... I mean, even the... Etymology that I understand it being a disc reference, like a side B of a, a disc or a record. Uh-huh. I think that denotes that this is a compromised position between historic Christian orthodoxy and um, full blown degeneracy, I guess, or as accepting as you could be. So I've also kind of started referring to this as a partial affirming of homosexuality as well because that's really what it is you're affirming parts of it but you're not affirming all parts of it right so uh dr jared moore is a subject matter expert on this uh and <laughs> I-, I got a few questions about that but uh, he's definitely one of the biggest experts on this this is his second time on evangelical dark web because you showed up after um you were in the southern baptist convention so uh so you joined us for with that post game recap and now we're going to talk about his specialty issue and that's this he's got a book on it called lust of the flesh i do have a link to that in the description below and that's an amazon affiliate link so we both get something if you uh buy from there uh (laughs) so uh with that said uh how are you tonight and uh just uh, yeah. How, how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing well, doing well, brother. It's been um, it's been a good day of ministry. Um, ups and downs, man. Visit folks and um, folks in the hospital, and and then um, you know working on like our. We've got a Christmas basket list and making sure I've got all the right names on there, and because it's our goes through our deacon's Christmas baskets, you know, just uh, uh, serving folks in the church. And, and so that's what I've been doing.
0: So this is something that you wrote a dissertation on. And I've heard you say that this book of yours is like the more layman friendly version of the dissertation. That's right. And I got to ask, like, what made you interested in the, t- in the topic of same sex attraction and concupiscence?
1: Well, same sex attraction, the you know, Wesley Hill was coming on the scene when I was in seminary and I had a good friend that was telling me to telling me about him, telling me about what he was arguing, namely that just the Bible only condemns same sex behavior. It does not condemn um same sex attraction. And so I went and listened to Wesley Hill and um just understood that he was unbiblical. He was trying to sanctify the non-sexual aspects of his homosexual orientation. He was trying to separate same-sex sexual attraction from same-sex attraction. And uh, rejecting the same-sex sexual attraction, but embracing the same-sex attraction, his his pursuit of same-sex beauty, he would call it, his pursuit of same-sex intimacy, um, believed that God could sanctify those things. And, um, you know, I was, I knew that that was wrong and unbiblical. So you just set out to make the argument as
0: to why uh, would you view yourself as trying to preemptively shut down a rising trend? Or do you think that this trend had already run its course through the church
1: um, by the time you started this? It was gaining steam. Um, And the reason why is because we had such an emphasis, you know, back during the hellfire and brimstone days, this never would have happened. It never would have gained a foothold, but because the church has overemphasized God's grace at the expense of emphasizing His wrath, which you can't truly appreciate God's grace until you understand that His wrath is on you, so you have to understand how heinous sin is, and so an overemphasis of God's grace kind of paved the way and easy believism and I mean, it just paved the way for any charlatan with excellent rhetoric to come in and deceive the church. Because all, all this is, the entire same-sex attraction movement in Christianity is not built on the Bible. It's not built on theology. It's built on rhetoric, a turn of phrase. It's people talking about their feelings and then making theological statements based on feelings. So, and by the way, if you're in the
0: chat, uh, feel free to ask some questions uh, to Dr. Jared Moore. Uh, So how much research have you done into the history of this? Uh, You mentioned Wesley Hill is kind of your impetus. Uh, I don't think Wesley Hill would be considered the impetus uh, for this. Uh, What would you say is kind of, you know, the starting point of much of this uh, side B movement?
1: Um, Well, the the first example that I found uh, that was public and official, and it's got its references, um, and I can't know those, I don't know those references offhand, but um, was the Evangelical Free Church's statement that was in 2013. Um, Wesley Hill's book, I want to say, was 2015, 2016. Um, but uh, but Sam uh, Preston Sprinkle was arguing this stuff though at uh, ETS I think in 2014. Man, has it been that long? When did Wesley Hill write that book? See,
0: I'm actually convinced the movement's much older than, or not much much older than that. But I think I would actually credit the instance with uh, Mark Yarhouse. I think is kind of the pioneer of this. And Don Carson basically commissioned him to write a white paper on this issue and Your House? Yes. Guy at Wheaton. Uh yes, I do believe he's at Wheaton. Uh he is on he's one of the uh, leaders over at the Center for Faith and Sexuality and Gender, or whatever. So Preston Sprinkles organization, he's a leader at that. He spoke at Revoice in 2019, but he was working with the Gospel Coalition quite closely around like the 2010 ish era. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Don Carson had him write a a white paper on sexuality and it was going to be used on the Gospel Coalition's campus ministries. I I guess they Mm -hmm. had like a crew, some form of a crew back then. And Mark Yarhouse brought back Side B Theology in his white paper. So, Mm -hmm it's kind of interesting like they they brought in like the the mad sci. i call him like the mad gender scientist he is uh, of big eva and you see that when he talks about issues like transgenderism he doesn't bring up autogynophilia which is like every single guy that's a, a transvestite is you know autogynophilic like let's be real here I, I think for girls it's closer to more of like the eating disorder thing of the mm-hmm. past or just a replacement for a lack of personality or something but you know you know male athletes you know they're, they're very much focused on themselves and i, I think there's always going to be a sexual thing to it as well mm. but and that's why they don't get the downstairs uh cut off but uh mark Harhouse doesn't think about that at all he more so legitimizes it and that's what he's pushing more so now but he to me was very instrumental in this movement but So the theological nuts and bolts uh, seems to be, uh, and then the church history of this doctrine uh, seems to be uh, a lot of what your arguments have focused on when you go on like other podcasts and shows and talk about this issue or your Twitter threads. So what is the core issue of, you know, the fancy word for it is concupiscence. Uh, what what exactly is the core? I guess the sin issue. Like uh, point A. Uh, let let's like walk through the sin of same sex attraction, for instance. Uh, what what's the starting point, and where does the threshold of sin and uh, or begin? I guess.
1: Well, sin begins with the flesh, and uh, before someone's saved, that's all they are is flesh. They're nothing but original sin. Um, Then the Holy Spirit works in them, regenerates them, produces faith in them. They believe. And um, their wills are freed from having to submit to the original sin. And the original sin is weakened. It, It no longer has enough power to force you to walk in it. Instead, you can choose either to walk in the spirit or to walk in the flesh but the flesh is sin it's just that it's imputed to Christ through faith it has been credited to Christ your the guilt is no longer you're not, you know that Christ has taken your sin away there's a real sense where he's i mean he's there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ right so he's satisfied God's wrath towards us but it is still sin in us and um and so it's sin in us and anything that comes from it right the inc- the motions so concupiscence is what's left over in christians of original sin and concupiscence is its motions the westminster standards doesn't i don't think it uses the term concupiscence but it talks about original sin and its motions are truly and properly sin and and um and so people the people are constantly talking about their feelings and choosing i didn't choose it this is an unchosen desire and f- first off how do you know you didn't choose it like you're you're basing it on your memory like you're literally defining sin based on your memory rather than the word of god
0: you know i've seen a meme that's like uh you know did you choose to be gay or it's a choice to be gay or something like that, but it it's not necessarily their choice. And it, it's a reference to, you know, child sex abuse, for instance. And and it creates a cycle. Uh and I wonder I mean, obviously the rates are extremely high, but no one you're not allowed to really talk about in the psychological world. Like the APA is not gonna, you know draw a connection they're not gonna they're gonna act like it's just a random you know no correlation occurrence
1: mm-hmm.
0: or they're gonna say the old you know the old fallacy you know correlation doesn't equal causation to mean that correlation never equals causation
1: mm-hmm. yeah we interviewed a guy uh, from he was at midwestern baptist theological seminary he was one of their christian counselors acbc guy and uh, he said that the uh, that the DSM is basically just a bunch of guys and gals with letters on the end of their names taking votes is how the DSM is written, and uh, which is nuts, isn't it? Like, and uh, you know, back in 2013, they put uh, they changed the understanding of pedophilia to where they argued that um, pedophilic desires attractions um they called it a sexual orientation first and then the lgbt community went nuts and they changed it like that that just tells you that it's this is not a scientific document they literally
0: i mean i'd say it's been a political document since at least the 70s
1: yes absolutely they've been politically motivated yes it is a political document. That's what it is. And what's crazy is the laws often follow it because they're the so-called experts. But to this day, if you go read the DSM, ever since 2013, they changed, changed it to where pedophilic attraction, like in your mind, is not a disorder. It's only a disorder if you act on it. And so they've already softened the language on pedophilia. And uh, it's just a matter of time. I say, in the next five or ten years, they'll they'll say they'll they'll move it a step further and say that uh, pedophilic uh, action is not a disorder. Or are they're going to
0: say that CP is a cure because it, you know, that means they're not doing it to an actual child or, or something like that. They
1: would say that, or or they'll they'll say that. Um, or- The Dennis Prager
0: argument, I guess.
1: Well, I I think they'll say, I think they'll actually say that the child can consent. Like they'll say, if the child consents, um, they'll justify it. They'll say it's not a disorder. Um, I think that's the next step, but you might be right. It may be um, animated,
0: you know, AI, lolly or whatever, or AI even. Yeah, that's going to be the treatment. That's proposed because i mean you see that already in like marriage secular marriage counseling you know watch this it'll help your marriage and obviously it doesn't work but you know it's just secular wisdom i guess and it's just counterfeit in every way so you're kind of arguing that if it's of the
1: flesh entirely then it's not good at all right it's sin it's sin because of where it comes from and what it's aimed at It's not aimed at God. The flesh is never aimed at God. Um, The flesh actually came from the devil. You know, Adam and Eve were made in God's image, meant to reflect God. But the moment that Eve desired the fruit in her heart in Genesis 3, 6, she immediately, immediately began to reflect the devil. She immediately ate and became the tempter and handed it to her husband, and he ate. He's standing there the whole time because the you. In the Hebrew is plural, and he, he should have slayed the dragon, saved the girl, but he didn't, and uh, so he fell. He fell, and they both immediately began reflecting the evil one, and that's essentially what the flesh is—is is the reflection of the evil one. And you see this throughout the New Testament, whenever you know the Pharisees, for example, are of their father, the devil, which is a reference to the flesh. Um, that's how the devil controls um sinners is through you know when the bible talks about jesus overcoming the evil one he overcame the evil one by taking care of sin in his people and the devil can no longer control christians because our wills have been freed by the holy spirit and we can walk in the spirit and not the flesh
0: i I think that you know Original sin seems to be something that a lot of believers don't emphasize. And, you know, a lot of people think you're only guilty for your actual sin. But your original sin, you know, you got people like, I want to say Tony Evans, basically kind of teaches something along the lines of the cross covers original sin for all. And then we're guilty of our actual sin. And it's Mm -hmm. some sort of like trans dispensational uh, you know, soteriology or, or something. And that's why I don't consider Tony Evans to be a valid teacher. Um, hmm. That sounds I, like... I, her, did, I did a video on that. Uh, it's like Pelagian, but I would say it's actually worse than Pelagian.
1: It sounds uh, like Rome. It sounds like... Because uh, that's what Rome, the modern Roman Catholic Church argues, is that concupiscence is only morally culpable if you submit to it. So... so you have so, to act mindfully l- let's
0: let's talk about like the catholic church so uh you would say that the catholic church for several hundred years believed what was orthodox right mm-hmm. and then what changed
1: um just uh augustine fell out of favor or augustine fell out of favor um and uh, like a, at the Council of Trent, the, the Augustans were, uh, were the minority. And well, by that time, it was because they were all becoming Protestants, because that was the big push among the Lutherans and Calvin and the Reformers, and was that they were, they were the true church. They were the ones following what Augustine taught uh, biblically. And when I say follow what Augustine taught, I don't mean, you know, they they argued sola scriptura, right? But they believe that Augustine taught rightly on these issues. And you'll see in the Reformation tradition, you'll see them uh, emphasize Augustine and and among others. But uh,
0: because Luther was an Augustinian monk, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think Wolfgang Musculus was. I think um, uh, Peter Martyr Vermigli was, um, you know, there were, there were several, several that were, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, they, you know, in the 1700s, they started getting away from, and I believe it was because of the Jesuits, uh, where they were getting, semi-Pelagianism kept gaining more popularity. And semi-Pelagian in that um, you're not guilty from conception. Right. You're sinful, but you don't actually get any guilt until you actually sin. Uh, and, and so you see that, you know, particularly expressed in the um, modern Roman Catholic catechism. The way they talk about original sin is contrary to the Council of Trent.
0: Now, yeah. this is slightly off topic, but. Sure. Sure. It's a quick follow-up. So, what are your thoughts on the whole age of accountability argument? Because that's yeah, essentially the same argument, right? That these uh, children that children aren't guilty of original sin.
1: Yeah, it is uh, because
0: they aren't, and they're not capable of being guilty of their actual sin.
1: Well, you could. It it depends. Um, you could argue that it's their lack of faith or their lack of ability to believe, and that God gives that gift you know, to them apart from uh, I mean I think um... the
0: reformed camp has an answer to this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But then
0: the Arminian camp comes up with the age seven or something or age twelve or whatever. It's like
1: Yeah, I don't I, believe I in don't that. think
0: that holds water.
1: I don't believe in the age of accountability. Um, because we're accountable. That's why we die. That's why babies can pass, right? The, God's wrath is upon them. I do believe in God's grace. Um, And that every reference we have to infants dying in scripture, it seems that they went to heaven. Um, Even the
0: firstborn of Egypt?
1: But it's because of, oh, that's a good question. Um, I haven't thought of that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's to me, it's like I think children of believers or even eventual believers, Mm -hmm. I think there's assurance for. But I don't think there you can go beyond that. But people got mad at me when I said that, you know. Matt Walsh was preaching a different gospel because he wanted to make works based exceptions to this whole thing because he doesn't want to confront, you know, harsh realities, which I would say you're, you know, you're trying to work, you're trying to impute God's character by saying in order for God to be merciful and just, he must do things according to how you see it. But, you know, I have a more you know, the sovereign Calvinistic view of God that says God doesn't have to save anyone. And he chooses right. to save many, uh, which is a free gift of grace.
1: So. Yeah. I mean, my, my understanding is that infants who die, um, uh, and that's, that's an assumption, uh, based on the examples we have in scripture. But I think there's only like three that I can, and I don't know those offhand. Like, I don't know where they're at offhand. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, that's a good question about the firstborn of Egypt. Um,
0: yeah, because that doesn't specify age at all, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't. Um, but, I mean, you assume that little ones died, too, because people were wailing, and it was an awful. And the Pharaoh's son cool. or something like that. It's so awful, man, to it's, just let them go, you know. <laughs> you wouldn't have to deal with all that.
0: And we got a comment from Yelma saying, you Baptists should steal... Uh, our answer to the age of accountability, just like you stole the w c f shaboom uh so what what exactly w- was augustine's teaching on concupiscence? So let's kind of like go back to the beginning since you're referencing Augustine. we've kind of seen that the Catholic Church would abandon the augustinian school i get a thought um how does the school of thought begin
1: uh with augustine, yeah. Um,
0: unless you would say it cause, uh the church developed this before him
1: well i didn't go back further than augustine just because of the mainly because wesley hill and the guys in the side bay movement were trying to say that augustine um was in favor of this stuff and so i w- i went and basically read everything augustine said on this subject and um found that early in his early writings he sounded semi-pelagian in his early writings where he argued that only thing only only if you mindfully deliberately choose something is it sin and um that was his some of his very early writings but then he argued that the will is involved in everything a person does so it's not mindfully involved, but it, your flesh is still willful. I mean, because how could you have an inclination or desire if your will is not involved? Um, and then he, the, the older he got and the more he wrestled with the Pelagians, the more he saw that, uh, you know, he, you can find in his writings where he argues that baptism takes away the guilt of original sin in Christians and that it never produces any other guilt. But later on, he argued that it does remain and continue to produce guilt, and especially in his uh, final work against the Pelagian Julian, he argued that, um, you know, and and mainly it's because Julian was saying that uh, that it's good that uh, the concupiscence is good, and you know, and Augustine really, you know, those guys those guys really went after
0: is it good because you have these and then you're not acting on them and that makes you more holy is that what they're arguing
1: i don't think so i think that he was just straight saying that it was it was good and and it's a misuse of a good like when you sin is what he was is what julian was arguing it, it wasn't that um that the you know Gustin, in one quote he's saying that basically you're a fool julian for believing that um the sin is evil but what pushed and pulled and you know uh ensnared isn't sin isn't evil he says you use many words and little wisdom and you know he insults him several times but but uh you know you can't say that sin is bad and then what led to it is good or neutral but what what Revoice what all these guys in the Side B movement want to say is that they and they use rhetoric. So Sam Albury and he Gregory Coles does this too. Who's got? By the way, if you go look at Gregory Coles on Twitter right now, he's got pronouns in his bio, just so people know that he's male, in case you're wondering. I um, was wondering. <laughs> that stuff drives me nuts. Nuts. These, we do have
0: a clip about that. About these that
1: blasphemers, happens. these blasphemers, man. Um, blaspheming God's good design of you. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so they argue that you know same-sex attraction is the capacity to be attracted to another man. Or if you're a woman, to be attracted to a woman. The capacity. It's a capacity. It's not sin and it's just empty rhetoric where where is that language at in the bible and if the closest thing that's the capacity paul calls the flesh the reason why a dude all would be, encompassing yeah yeah like why would you be attracted to another dude well it's because you're you're a child of adam
0: and i think the way you frame the flesh as you know your reflection of the evil one really comes in handy or it really makes the not comes in handy really makes the verses about mortifying the flesh dying to the flesh you know really puts another heavier yeah heaviness on those verses uh, and it's a very interesting thing that i'll keep in mind since i'm reading through the new testament right now mm. uh how would you define attraction
1: um attraction is just any inclination does i use them all as synonyms because if you believe that there's sin from beginning to end i mean it doesn't it doesn't matter how you define attraction the question is what is the foundation where does it come from so i would say it's a motion of original sin right so to use confessional language um it's an inclination it's a, you can call an inclination an attraction a desire Um, So when the 10th commandment says, you shall not desire, it's talking about attraction. There's no pre-desire before that 10th commandment. Like you're not going to be conscious of something that comes before what the 10th commandment condemns. And so they they say, no, there's this pre-lust desire And they've invented it with rhetoric. They've invented a category that doesn't exist in the Bible. There is no pre-lust desire. There is no pre-sin desire that somehow becomes something that it's not.
0: So when I look at the term attraction, isn't this a value? I would argue that attraction is a value assessment because you're not going to be attracted to garbage, right? or
1: people are (laughs) I mean homosexuality is garbage
0: uh you're literally you know sticking your pp inside someone else's poop chute but I mean that aside but you have to determine that you like that or that that's good like you're putting a value on that
1: Mm.
0: uh so you know you take you know whether people you know what type of body that they like in a woman right you know those are value assessments. You like blonde hair versus brunette. You know, what skin color do you like? Since that is all the rage and controversy these days or whatever. But because uh, I'm, I'm trying to avoid more crass ag- examples of attraction. Sure. But <laughs> So yes, let's go with the race card, but uh, you know, these things are value assessments. You like certain qualities in something. And I don't know how you can be attracted to something or, something that's not natural to be attracted to and that not automatically be sinned. Like you're calling something that's evil. You're calling an evil notion good already from this foundation, it, because obviously some part of this has to go beyond recognizing this. Uh, Cause even the Bible does this, you know, I, I'm reading the story of Joseph uh, the dreamer to my daughters and it's like, Oh, Joseph is handsome. And, you know, Potiphar's wife sees that. And so obviously there is a a way to understand that someone's attractive, like, or good looking qualities, but that doesn't make you attracted to them. Right? Is it, it's not sin to recognize attraction, right?
1: Depends on what that attraction is. Um, Are you wanting to consummate with them? Is there any inclination of consummation for someone who's not your spouse? Um, That would be because the design of God is one man, one woman attracted to one another. And sexual attraction is reserved for the covenant of marriage. Um, And so when you have a sexual attraction that's for someone other than your spouse, that is sin. That's what I argue in my book. Um, now it, it is a good thing to want to love a woman. It's a good thing to want to cut a sexual covenant with a woman, but your sexual desires are supposed to be aimed at that covenant. They're not supposed to be aimed at her because you're, you know, that that's the beginning of lust. Um, so you should want to consummate one day under the covenant. So you're aimed at the covenant. Um, but you should not want to consummate before then. And uh, that's, that's the big issue today. And, and part of that is because you know teenagers are dating at sixteen, and we're telling them they can't get married till they're twenty six.
0: is okay, a little old, older than yeah, what a lot. of But I think you said your oldest was sixteen, right, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so. he, he's clueless though, so I don't know if he'll be dating anytime soon or not. I say clueless. He probably he probably knows you know more than I realize. But, but uh, I mean,
0: theoretically, we had kings of Israel that are you know, wasn't there like a 14-year-old king of Israel who died and his son took over at age, or or something like that?
1: Oh, I have no idea. I
0: I feel like there was one one king of Judah or Israel that was like very young or something like that or Mm. or like a 21-year-old who died with a 7-year-old king or something something like that. I want to say that was one of the instances. I'm like, dang. Uh, Mm. But I, I feel like a lot of I mean, we could go down the rabbit trail of, you know, delayed, uh, prolonged adolescence and, you know, prolonging marriage. And then now we have a a whole society of people trying to find themselves in their 20s, which has led to umpteen gospel coalition articles on the gift of singleness. Mm -hmm. And that seems to have been a contention with uh, you and uh, Preston Sprinkle recently of like the whole calling to. Uh, celibacy, which I kind of think, you know, the idea, that, Oh, I don't, when he said something about not calling people to, or calling people to heterosexual, some people are called the heterosexual marriages or whatever, even though you call those a mixed orientation marriage on your entire website.
1: So he almost slipped up in the interview. He did say mixed orientation said, marriage. Well, he, he like slipped up, like he caught himself and corrected it. Like that, he doesn't believe that a that a gay person, uh, and that's what he calls them. He says essentially that a same sex attracted Christian cannot enter a heterosexual marriage because it's a mixed orientation marriage. I mean, it's all it's all. I mean, he's he's a. It's it's hard not to view him as a pathological liar, um, because he bold faced lied. You know the 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 night after. Um. I think it was the night after the interview posted. The night after the interview posted, his own ministry had a uh, had a non-binary speaker on their web webinar because they were trying to they were trying to show how a parent and a child who disagrees theologically on LGBT issues how they should talk to one another. So they literally they in their ad for it they had this non-binary person as a speaker, a presenter. I'm just like... So he told me in that interview that I've never had anybody speak at my event who identified contrary to their biological sex. He full well knew that just a few days later he was going to have a webinar where someone was speaking. I mean, he, he he's he's full of empty rhetoric. And he thinks... He thinks that he's not lying if he hasn't said the exact phrase that you claim. Like that's his big thing. Like, I've never said that phrase. Doesn't matter if you said the phrase. Are you teaching what the phrase says? And
0: yeah, it's because it was a semantics game with him. And I felt like you were Patrick Star. Or actually, you were Man Ray and Preston Sprinkle was Patrick Star and you're trying to get him to take his wallet.
1: Who and, are they? I don't even know who those people are. Who <laughs> Have you ever seen the meme of the, you know, so you've seen the meme, right? No, uh, man. I I can't, I'm I'm a millennial. I think I'm a millennial, but I'm like an old old millennial. Okay, so, so you,
0: you don't get the SpongeBob reference, but you've you've seen the meme with like the handling, that's not my wallet meme?
1: No, I don't understand most memes like Ninety percent of the memes that are put out there, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Okay, Uh, so just some overview because I do
0: have some clips that I wanted to kind of play on the press and sprinkle debate thing that you did. It was your first and last time on the program. (laughs) Yeah, see that he said that. Yeah, I saw he said that. (laughs) I thought that was funny, but uh, uh, did he like edit anything deceptively out?
1: Not that I'm aware of not that i'm aware of because it looked like i mean i i don't think he could have edited it where it didn't look
0: edited. shady okay
1: um i mean i i thought he might edit out me challenging him to a public debate um
0: no he left that in there
1: yeah he left that in there um so
0: i i guess the first thing that i want to talk about is the heretical conference line i'm gonna get it ready heretical to share conference yeah let me get it ready to share so that's the first segment and i'm kind of like uh cutting it down a little bit like we're not uh this is going to be at 1.25 speed like everything else on this channel that i play on youtube uh so here's the first clip that i want to show
2: two or three people maybe again holds a historic christian view of marriage but might use someone's preferred pronouns then you would say you would be comfortable saying my Exiles in Babylon conference that I helped put on, I shouldn't call it mine, I mean, I helped put it on, um, is just categorically heretical.
1: I would say categorically heretical if you're allowing heretical speakers to speak. It doesn't matter how many, if there's okay. just one. Um, I mean, think, of, imagine if this was another sin. Like, uh, imagine if someone, you know, they, they're having a conference and, you know, 90% of their people are biblically, foundationally Orthodox. But then they've got one that's a white supremacist that speaks. And I know this is apples and oranges, but you got to understand, when you talk about the biblical sexual ethic, you really think that there are people in church history who would go along with this identifying as a different gender or pronoun hospitality or all this nonsense that is just worldly. It's just worldliness. And, And so you are legitimizing. When you present, you allow a speaker to come speak who's involved in that. You're legitimizing it right I mean are are, are you not it's I mean not
2: I, I, I'm just trying to get I just want clarity on what you mean by the conferences is uh heretical so I mean I don't want to get lost in the weeds at this point yet that um you know if somebody uses the term you know transgender to describe their gender dysphoria you would say that's heretical it's unorthodox all that stuff I'm, I'm perfectly fine with you having those uh thoughts uh, so w- would you so if somebody is just to get and this is a I'm generally trying I'm not trying to corner you like if somebody is attending the conference you're not saying they are a heretic or like my wife or some of my kids help you know with social media like are they heretics or what where do you draw the line between um who is a heretic in their association with the exiles in babylon like matt chandler spoke at it francis chan we've had i mean jackie hill perry like if any other speaker comes are they a heretic or would you just simply say
0: and i just pause and say that i do think that matt chandler and francis chan are heretics
1: I I don't know enough uh, about their theology. Matt Chandler's really woke
0: and the fact that he went to this kind of means that he's weak on the sexuality issue. Uh, Francis Chan is also very much in cahoots with Preston Sprinkle which I think makes him not credible on the sexuality issue. I do think he's kind of gone like false prophet territory. Uh, I don't think either of them are sound particularly. But I just thought that he, see, I got these people. Max Lucado, who's apologizing for preaching that gay marriage is wrong. Yeah. uh, Is that the upcoming one? And then Joshua Harris, who's uh, apostatized himself. But he will come to a conference for money, uh, I'm sure. Uh, We still got like 45 seconds left of this.
2: (laughs) I believe that the conference as a whole is a her- heretical conference, but like Matt Chandler isn't necessarily a heretic. I just want to shield my speakers too, because they're, if they're, they're they're not hearing the like, oh, I'm speaking at this heretical conference, what's the deal with that? I'm like, well, I'll I, try to get clarity on that.
1: Um, I mean, I, I don't do guilt by association. I think it's unwise yeah. for a speaker to speak on the same stage with folks that have pronouns in their bio. Okay. Um, and you, again, you have a problem biblically, and I think church history has a big problem with legitimizing those who would self-identify and participate in worldliness. It's just rank worldliness, mm-hmm. in my sure. opinion. I mean, biblically, I think I can prove so that.
0: So that's the first clip that I wanted to share. Uh, and that wasn't the Man Ray clip yet. I think the next one – or actually the gender and sex one I feel like was the Man Ray clip. But uh, – from that clip it's like you answer the questions like yeah i don't think that i think a conference is already crossing the heretical boundary once one person who's heretical is being affirmed at the conference and then he kind of wants to like reframe the issue it's like aren't i right here and you're like i don't really do guilt by association it's like he he doesn't want to accept your answer at face value it's kind of what i got out of that exchange
1: Yeah, it was a weird, it was like going to the principal's office. Um, It was a weird, and I tried to be respectful. And, you know, I had a strategy going in that, okay, I was going to be, I was going to be as sweet as I could be because Preston is known for being Mr. Nice Guy. He's Mr. Nice Guy, but when the truth is, he's passive aggressive and he's deceptive. And he's a snake. I mean that won't that's you what repent the
0: truth on, is. won't you repent live on this live <laughs> stream It's like I mean, that's what he's kinda do.
2: Yeah.
1: So I'm gonna call Rosaria Butterfield a liar and a bully because that's what I would have to do to say that no Preston is not heretical. Like I, I will I'm gonna go. So that's why I told him, Look, dude, I'm gonna go read everything you've wrote and And then the next day before, you know, it was two or three days before he posted the video, I went and read what he wrote. And it just confirmed everything that Rosaria claimed he believed.
0: Yeah, I feel like the treasure trove uh, that is the center of faith and sexuality and gender or whatever, whatever it's called. The name's too long and the acronym doesn't work. Um, It. It's there's so much more in there than meets the eye. Like you mentioned, you referenced in this video, like the cuddling and kissing. And didn't you say that was written by Gregory Coles? I I know I've seen that before. Um, It's a
1: 45 page article on white um, paper
0: or whatever. It's like their pastoral papers section. Yeah. It's a pastoral
1: paper. And they've got like 15 of them on there. And um, you're supposed to give an email to access it. And, um, but anyway, it's 45 pages of just stuff that makes you want to throw up. And he says, we're not advocating for these things. They, we say at the beginning of the article, we're not advocating it, but they're telling, they give direction to basically don't assume the worst of these people. Don't assume that they're sinning just because their conscience is different than yours. Like he, they give directives, um, to the, to the hearer. And, It's just they advocate. They're advocating for this. You can say you're not advocating, but then you spend 45 pages trying to whitewash. I mean, it's it's not sexual immorality, but it is an abomination for a dude to snuggle with another dude, two gay guys snuggling, like, and to form households. I mean, it's just... Like, are they saying no homo each time they do it?
0: No. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then no, they're uh,
1: smooching, and I, I don't. I mean,
0: I, I don't know. Like, how is that? Like, there's some things that are already on the face of it unnatural, and it's like there's no straight way to do that. There's no not gay way to do something that's extremely gay.
1: Yes. They're they're living together because they are gay. Like that's the thing. Like they're they're not, as I said in the thing with Preston, they're not um, going and befriending opposite sex Christians. That is not what the whole side B movement argues. They tell these guys who are sexually frustrated to go find a same sex friend and act on the non-sexual aspects of their homosexual orientation there so their desire for same-sex intimacy their desire for same-sex beauty they tell them to actively pursue those things through same-sex friendships now who in their right mind has ever described friendship like what man has described his best bud as beautiful as, like, snug, like wanting to snug, like, it's just it's perverse, is what it is, and we have to call it what it is. It's just a less heinous form of homosexual sin,
0: yeah. I mean, you're already crossing the line, but you're not as you're not to the end zone, for instance, you know, you- right? What
1: well, they're getting to first base or whatever, I don't know what, the yeah, exactly.
0: Are. The base. Uh, first base is typically, you know, the kissing and stuff like that. First
1: base isn't sin if you're gay. Did you know that, Ray? Like, it's not in the Bible. Bible doesn't forbid first base for homosexuals. It's just, it's it, It's insane. obvious. It's obvious to anybody who will read the Bible and believe it. I mean, in Leviticus, it says, lie with a
0: man as you would a woman. Doesn't that also include... Kiss a man as you would a woman. No, no, it
1: does not. Don't you know? Don't you know? Hey, Make you out talk- on the couch with a man as you would a woman. How many gay Christians have you talked to, Ray? Do you not understand their feelings? Uh, have you not? Do you not know their feelings? Not. They can. But- they can smooch in a non non sexual, non gay way, though they're gay. Uh, yeah, it's. That
0: that level of argumentation. <laughs> I don't know how that's convincing, but it is. I guess it's convincing for people who want to justify their own yes. sin.
1: It's ear-tickling. Come here, let me tickle your ears. Let me tell you what you want to hear. Has God really said?
0: Oldest uh, lie in the book, I guess. Or the oldest trick. And it works. It works. And... It, one thing that's worth noting about this is he he says that okay you got me on the first you represent my position fairly well on the first point but then there's these you know matter of factly tertiary points they're they're tertiary compared to the overall premise of Psy-B theology that you say is heretical that he does not that was like point one of Rosaria Butterfield's four points and then he wants to argue with you about the semantics of each of the other points and doesn't mm-hmm. want to debate the first point, which I thought was very interesting about this interview. Uh, and, and he's like, we'll have time for it maybe later, and he kind of doesn't want to go into it.
1: Uh, y- your thoughts uh, on that? Um, well, it, so it's one thing if you say, "Can we can we talk about that later? But when you say it like five or six times, knowing – Especially there's, when there was a
0: segue, at, yeah. at some of these times.
1: There's never going to be a. There's never going to be a later. He he knows there's never going to be a later. He did not bring me on to discuss the issues. He brought me on to try to, um, I probably humiliate me. You know, say that I was a liar and, but I mean, anybody can read anything that he wrote, and see that he is nothing but a theological liberal. He's a theological liberal who's. Got on. He's he puts on an evangelical uniform. Went orthodox. to the went to the master seminary. Yeah, he went. I mean, he he is not orthodox. I've got some oceanfront property in Tennessee to sell, folks, if they believe he's orthodox. the 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 junk that he says th- this sounds awful, but both the Protestants and the Roman Catholics in the 1500s would have burned him alive.
0: Yeah, probably. Um, they had more standards back then. Uh, because I'm actually of the mind that the Catholic Church got worse after Luther. Uh and a lot of Protestants are kind of on the naivete that, you know, the Catholics made reforms. And it's like, yeah, the reforms were bad. Um, but anyway, like there, things could have gotten better. But again, John Haas was right, you know, papal authority is not legitimate. Uh mm-hmm. You, you don't even, you, you just have to look, go so far as the Avignon Papacy and just see that, yeah, this wasn't a legitimate thing at all. <laughs> but uh, then we have more differences between the Catholics now. And this is certainly one area, the concupiscence, uh, their view of sin. Uh, Vatican II also says that Islam worships the same God as Christianity. Um, so another,
1: you know, knock, another, uh, Tally of heresy I guess That is so ridiculous like I, I've been preaching Through 1st John on Sunday mornings And he says that anybody who denies That Jesus is the Christ um, Is an antichrist They if you don't have The son you don't have the father like I mean he and he's saying that About the Jews You know John's saying that About the Jews uh, so,
0: Yellow Moth brings up the eastern orthodox Church you know where exactly they
1: Would stand on this issue I don't. I don't offhand, but I assume, you know, I'll go. I mean, I can go look, but I assume, I mean, I assume they weren't semi-Pelagian.
0: Yeah, that would probably make sense. I know they reject Calvin or John Calvin. Uh, well, and Here's the thing, man. Anthony uh, has a quote from Calvin. I'll just bring up that chat. Calvin describes burning with desire as being at war with God. Is the gift of singleness a neo-celibacy movement or a failed reaction to cur- the current culture on dating and marriage? That's a good question.
1: I think uh, the last one. The latter? Yeah, the latter. It's uh, the failure of dating and marriage and you know what Carl Truman calls, what is it, uh, expressive individualism.
0: Now, the term incel and since you might not understand memes uh as mentioned uh stands for involuntary celibate and this is i guess a reactionary way before the term incel emerged um incel emerged after this phenomenon just like and it was a way of saying yes we're incels and the people like the gospel coalition promoting singleness as a gift are basically promoting incelness as a gift and because it's involuntary celibacy—that's really what it is. It, what they're promoting as a gift, because yeah. these people would most, more than likely, choose not choose to be in a marriage if they could, but they're not, and it's you know not because of their lack of desire, or they've convinced themselves because they can't that they don't want to. Um, they
1: say they say that they're a type of eunuch, and if you look, if you look at that passage where Jesus talks about eunuchs he is not talking about um, homosexual desires or same-sex desires at all. He's talking about birth defects or someone mutilating their body. He actually, I mean, he there's a qualifier before each reference. Robert Gagnon says in the first century that eunuch did refer to people who were exclusively um, same-sex attracted, but that does not mean that Jesus used the term in that way. Jesus put qualifiers in front of each eunuch that he referenced and uh, he's not talking about a you know homo- an exclusive homosexual orientation um, there in the eunuchs. in other words, I mean when you look at uh, Romans 1, the Bible talks about well Paul talks about uh, carried along by the Holy Spirit that the women exchange the natural use of the men, and the men exchanged the natural use of the woman it does not say that they were born that way it doesn't say that they had an involuntary inclination or that was from birth or conception or none of that it says that they exchanged in part because they worship the creature rather than the creator that ultimately this stems upside down sexuality begins because of upside down worship worshiping the creature rather than the creator reflecting the devil, reflecting the evil one, and in order to combat that, you have to turn Romans 1 on its head. So if upside-down worship leads to upside-down sexuality and all kinds of sin, then right-side-up worship leads to right-side-up sexuality and all kinds of righteousness. So you got to repent of sin, trust in Christ, and worship God, and build your life around worshiping Him. Quit talking about yourself and your attractions, and See how God designed you and seek to live according to it.
0: You know, uh that's kind of like the first solution chapter to Andrew Isker's uh book, uh, The Boniface Option, where he talks about you know getting back to right worship, and that's his first chapter in the solution section of his book.
1: Interesting.
0: Uh so it's interesting that you say you know worship as the foundation for building your life around. So it's, it's very much a theme that you're seeing, and I guess on the more conservative uh parts of evangelicalism Uh, so the second clip i did not write down why i wanted this clip i wrote down the other two clips but i do have this section i think it's on the masculinity question i could be wrong
1: but here we go i'm saying that you're sanctioning that sex and gender are different and that concerning god doesn't care if men live as men or if women live as women i would say that that refers to your sanctioning of same-sex attraction because the most unmasculine thing that a man can do is be attracted to another man. And the most unfeminine thing a woman can do is to be attracted to another woman. Because entailed in biblical masculinity and biblical femininity, according to Genesis 2, is God literally took a piece of the man and made the woman. And then he's missing something from his body, and then he, she's missing something. And so God brings the two back together to become one flesh. And that includes what it means to be masculine or feminine. And you're you're saying that sexuality seems to be separate
2: from biology. It sounds like. Okay, so I, want, I would I do want to come back to sex and gender difference. I think that's yeah, that's that's important to tease out. Um, so am I hearing you say that if say I believe that um, somebody experiences same sex attraction, then they are not living as a, then they are a biological say for instance a biological male who. You would say if, they, if biological male experiences same-sex attraction, then therefore they are not living as a man? Would you? Because would you, if that's what you mean by this, then I guess I might, I wouldn't word it this way. I mean, this is so, super misleading and unclear. But if that's what you mean by that, then I guess I can say, sure, I guess that's, I, I would agree that we disagree on that.
1: I'm saying saying it's not sin, number one. Okay, number one. And then number two, I'm saying that you believe you can sublimate that, that you can sublimate homosexual orientation. Is that correct? you can turn it to something holy?
2: I don't even, uh, I mean, I would need to unpack That's a whole, that's taking us to a different direction. I guess I, I I just want to get clarity on this one statement because I, th- I think you're misrepresenting me, so I want to make sure.
0: I, I mean, are you familiar with the art of war and how it talks about choosing your terrain? No. Huh? That's really what he's trying to do here is he's, he doesn't want to address the questions that you're asking. He He wants you to focus on his own narrow thermo it's a thermopylae in his own mind that you can't get past like he's trying to like funnel you into the argument that he wants you to funnel into and not the more natural argument in this debate i just think that's an interesting observation yeah like you asked him a pretty clear question do you think this is something that can be made holy or sanctified and he doesn't you know, he doesn't want to begin the process of unpacking that belief. Uh, He wants to get you to ask the question that he wants you to ask.
1: The only, the only questions, the only questions I asked were questions that pertain to the four claims that Rosaria said about him. And he would not answer the questions, which would have proven that Rosaria is (laughs) right. He wouldn't answer the questions. He wanted to say, I'm lying. And then when I ask him, well, what about this? Well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to answer that
2: question. You either are or aren't, but I I, I want to understand what you're saying here. That God, again, specifically that God doesn't care if men live as men men or women live as women. Cause there's people right. saying, you, like, Preston, do you believe that? I'm like, no, I don't believe that. Like, where'd you get that? I'm like, well, so and so said or whatever. I'm like, well, I have never said that. I don't believe that. So that's why I'm trying to get clarity here. It sounds like again, you're once again lying about what I believe um when I don't believe that. But again I, I, did you, I, I I'm, when you say men can you define when you say men living as men?
1: Men living what as does that men mean? would be not being sexually attracted to other men something oh, that you say okay. is not something you say is not sin all right And something I believe you say can be turned to holiness or it can be uh, turned in a way that does honor God that you say that homosexuality or homosexual hom- orientation cannot be reduced to the sex act that there are non-sexual non-genital, um things that are entailed in homosexual
2: orientation that can be sanctified is that what you believe um i can i come back to that because I, I do want to put a bow on this because i'm more than happy to unpack what i believe about which what you're getting there um you I, so that here, here's here's my record
0: rec- so
1: uh spoiler alert i don't think he ever came back to that he never came back to anything that he said he would come back to it was what five or six times maybe more. And his whole point was to basically try to argue that I was lying, even though he wouldn't answer any questions. It was an interrogation is what it was. He, he wanted to ask the questions here. Yeah, that's right. It, he asked me to come on for a conversation. And um, it was deceptive. It was deceptive from the beginning.
0: And, and that's what I noticed. Like, he doesn't want to ask the questions. He wants to, he wants the only questions you're allowed to ask are the questions he wants you to ask that he's like got a set up gotcha for, but otherwise he's going to ask you the questions and the questions are going to be incredibly semantically focused. You know, did. He say, did you say these exact phrases or did he say these exact phrases that Rosaria Butterfield said that he said, right. Or is she, you know, and her summarizing his teaching isn't good enough.
1: Right. That's exactly right. I never said that phrase. But did you teach what she's saying you taught? And the answer is yes. Yes. He has taught all four of those things.
0: And he kind of just, and you see that a lot of the times these, in both these clips, there's like a loop that the conversation goes through of you state your position, then he goes on his spiel, and then you basically restate a position with a little bit more fluff and then he goes on again and, and you see that cycle kind of play out in that one you saw kind of play out in the heretical conference thing where you said that it, it's heretical if it has a heretic in it and then he's like trying to qualify it and all like I got these big names how do, you wouldn't call Matt Chandler a heretic or Francis Chan or <laughs> like I actually would but you know he, that that's neither here nor there but uh, at least for this time, but and uh, Jennifer Herb says anyone who supports that man is a heretic, and I want to say I agree with that. But this guy is very pervasive. Uh, he is treated as a subject matter expert on it, and people are just submitting to Preston Sprinkles' teaching without ever thinking about. They're doing it based on recommendation at this point. Because that's how prevalent he is. He's got the center. He probably mm-hmm. has a book on this subject. Um, and he's got this big channel. So he's given a lot of credibility by word of mouth at this point. And mm-hmm. it's unearned credibility, obviously, but, and it's credibility on the subject that he's worst at unless you know of a position that he has that's less orthodox less orthodox than this.
1: Uh, no, this is pretty bad. His his semi-Pelagian view of sin. Or actually, not even semi-Pelagian, his Pelagian at least Pelagian.
0: View. I feel like Pelag- Pelagius actually thought sin was bad, and he just wanted he perverted doctrine to impose more personal responsibility on people, or at least you could take Pelagianism. To say that we go out of our way to choose sin, so I feel like even Pelagius would say this is bad.
1: I don't. I think that because of the unnatural, because this is unnatural in Scripture, I think he would say it is bad. I think I don't even think Pelagius would touch this, but I I don't know enough about him. It's just in that era of Christianity. I mean, you know, they they did not play around with with sin like actionable sin and so i think that you know they would view pelagius would view this as unnatural and so it would be it would not be a good it would not be a neutral or anything Uh, but uh but preston confuses moral and medical you know he'll make statements like he (laughs) in his ets paper that he wrote in 2014 he compares same-sex attraction to blindness and that blindness blind people can see the world in a beautiful way they can see beauty that we can't see and that same-sex attraction is like that that they have this affliction and they can see beauty that we cannot see (laughs) I mean it's like saying that eating the fruit was good for Eve you know like she saw the world in a better way after she ate the fruit. And because, you know, she, because, you know, that moment before Adam, well, I I think he'd already fallen in his heart actually before he ate. So that didn't work, but you got questions, bro. Uh, I, I, I
0: don't know if I have any more questions specifically about that. I do have the next clip and this is your man Ray clip right here. Uh, and if you know SpongeBob, you get the reference because I'm a younger millennial. Uh, so I get the reference.
2: I guess, what do you mean? When you say, I think sex and gender are different, what do, you mean, what do you mean by gender? Can you define that?
1: You permit folks to speak at your conference who use pronouns in their bio. Just the fact that someone uses pronouns in their bio means that they distinguish sex from gender. What, what are your pronouns, Jared? I don't have any pronouns. What do you mean, what are my pronouns?
2: Like you don't refer to yourself as he <laughs> or him? What kind of question is that? What, What do you, do you, do you want me to use he or him to refer to you? Uh,
1: what is, that's such a ridiculous question. I'm
2: asking a question. Do you want, do you like, Why? The, do you...
1: Why are you asking that? That is Because we're talking a about ridiculous.
2: pronouns. We're talking about pronouns.
1: ridiculous <laughs> question.
2: <laughs> okay, here's what I'm getting at, Jared. I'm so, um, so.
0: And I, you got a lot of street cred for answering in this sort of way. And say, and just laughing, laughing in the face of
1: the question. I, I so, did that because... Congratulations
0: on the uh, street cred that you
1: got from this clip. Well, I laughed because it's kind of like asking... and o- I mean, it's the same thing as asking a obvious male, what are your pronouns? Like, it, it, it is a trans, LGBT question it's not a question that anybody asked in human history until the last few years
0: and this is one of the points that you're alluding to and there's no reason to put pronouns in your bio if you don't affirm transgenderism yes it is a it is you it's not you making your pronouns available or it's not you telling people where your pronouns are It's you affirming and assenting to transgenderism. That's why people put their pronouns in bio or on their LinkedIn and or, or whatever resume even it's to signal that you agree with this and that you're a liberal, you know, one of I'm, my views are acceptable. It's a virtue signal.
1: Yes, it is a affirmation. It's an affirmation of something that's evil. It's an affirmation of cross-dressing. It's just with your pronouns. It's functional cross-dressing is what it is. Oh, but I'm male and I have he, him on there. It is still functional cross-dressing in the sense of it is possible to separate your sex from your gender whenever they're the same thing biblically.
0: So I, I... I feel like everyone understands this except people on the left, or at least they pretend or Preston Sprinkle, I think is pretending not to understand this.
1: He says he doesn't agree with putting pronouns in your bio. And yet Gregory Coles, who's like his right-hand man. um, He hosted the webinar uh, with the non-binary person.
0: Now, this is something I'm working on. And it sounds pretty schizophrenic, but I'm trying to tell the story of how side B theology emerged. And maybe that'll be like a live stream in a couple of weeks or something, but the story of how it emerges and, you know, the thesis is that there's kind of like a triumvirate uh, going on here. And I I'm going to use like a Roman and ena- uh, I'm going to put more Roman names on it and stuff and kind of explain it. But you got the gospel coalition is one of the, biggest driving forces of this revoice was one of them but then you have the emergence of Preston Sprinkle who is probably the biggest name on this movement
2: I, I would say currently
1: I think Wesley Hill is bigger than, than um Sprinkle I think, yeah I think so so it's Wesley Hill his book was out in two thousand ten um Mark Yarhouse, you can put him in there. But Mark got progressively worse. Like, he was very close. He's probably where Sam Alberry is today or Christopher Yuan. Uh, Christopher Yuan's in between Rosaria and Sam. Um, but uh, he, you know, Yarhouse got got worse as the years went on. Um, D.I. Carson endorsed Gregory Cole's book but I want right. to say that was 2017.
0: I thought it was 15, but...
1: It yeah, either way, it was before the first Revoice conference, I believe. And then Evangelical Free, uh, their document in 2013. Um, There's there's uh, Revoice. But there's,
0: I guess the schizophrenic part that I referenced to is like this conspiracy web that I'm mapping out. Uh, and then, and probably the biggest promoter of this is probably someone like Ed Stetzer. He would probably be the biggest amplifier, I guess, of this. He's not the person coming up with the ideology, but as far as trying to mainstream it, I I would say he's definitely one of the biggest. Um, the gospel coalition, if you want to count them separately, because I would say the gospel coalition's in bed with the formation of the ideology as well as the. Uh, the peddling of it, I would say they're one of the biggest drivers in that as well. Uh, and then you got other organizations like Crew would be involved in the peddling of it. Uh, a lot of the seminaries, YouTubers like Sean McDowell, uh, Pedal Side B Theology, and I would probably say most of the people above 100K on, on this platform better like the apologetics channels probably uh, promote this. Or Sean
1: Sean is supposedly reading my book. So. I, I hope you convince
0: him. I, I hope he's winnable because he's obviously someone who could be persuaded by Rosaria Butterfield. But he also wants to hold on to Preston Sprinkle. So it's worrisome. Like even in his own, even in this video on Andy Stanley, he was still putting up, you know, bad, uh, bad uh, theology. So let's get back to you being Man Ray, just trying to hand him the wallet on gender is sex.
2: So if if a biological male puts he, him in his bio, are you saying that you have a problem with, uh, an equal problem with that? Or are you saying if a biological male has she, her in their bio, is that what you have a problem with? Or is it any, just list mentioning pronouns?
1: Mentioning pronouns, why in the world? So it's,
2: so it's not the cross sex pronouns that you have. It's not just that, it's, it's simply mentioning pronouns.
1: It's all. Because you are separating, obviously I'm male, right? Like, there's male and female. That's what there is, and <laughs> all these other they, them, you know, um, yeah. I, when you 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 have things with your conference that you're going to police. You even said you wouldn't you wouldn't permit me to speak, which is that's hilarious to me considering, like, what evidently I'm I'm so far out there, which I I'm emphasizing what church history has emphasized for seventeen hundred years. Um, and Protestants have emphasized for 2,000. Um, I'm so far out there I can't speak at your conference, but you're gonna people who have pronouns in their bio, you're gonna have them speak. You know, yeah. I mean, you're you're willing to police <laughs> things, and I'm I need to be policed, but these these other folks don't. That's just remarkable to me, Preston. It's just yeah. remarkable.
2: Like, I, I, I would understand. um yeah, I it, I honestly don't want to get into that. I would encourage somebody to go scan Jared's uh, uh, Twitter feed. Um, sure, go
1: no scan
2: it. Go no yeah, scan it. And and pay attention to how he interacts with people and i think um it would be self-evident why i wouldn't have you speak in a conference not, we're not talking we shouldn't i mean we're getting off the rails here
0: i mean he's basically trying to pull a morality clause It's kind of how i view that
1: i'm immoral evidently because i i don't know what like i'm supposed to be sweeter i guess online or it, it was silly right like you he he can say like he called me a liar multiple times in this. I conversation. mean, ultimately,
0: he just didn't. I think one of the reasons he said is like you're a liar, and that's why I don't. You lied about me, and that's why I don't want you at the conference. He could have just restated that. I think he does state that at one point in this interview. But that's you know when he said I, I guess it's when he challenged him to a public debate, and he said you wouldn't do it because you've lied about his position. Uh, but. Even though you're basically su- you're summarizing Rosaria Butterfield,
1: right? He he wouldn't do it because he would lose. He would lose so bad. So whenever I went into this discussion with Preston, I was thinking, you know, this is this is going to be very interesting because he's so well read. He spends his life reading everything about sexuality, and once we got in there. I think he would get slaughtered in a debate. Because he's not really trying to defend his own position. Right. I mean, I don't think he can defend it. I think he lives and exists in an echo chamber or, you know, he, he doesn't. I'm surprised they invited me on his on his show because these he never does that. They never – guys like him, guys like Andy Stanley, guys who have big platforms, they do not invite their critics to engage. I mean, Doug Wilson – is very rare in that way right like i call out doug, doug wilson. wilson and france yeah i i, I, I call mean, out I, doug wilson on john harris's podcast and, and within like a week doug is on the podcast with me and we're going back and forth and you won that debate by the way Oh, I a- and the reason
0: that. why i thought you won that debate is because doug wilson was constantly on the defensive of his position and you never really had to defend your position at all that he couldn't state that his position was superior to your position because he constantly had to defend his own position. He never was able to go on the offensive, I guess, in a debate. So I thought, you know, if this is a boxing match, you know, you might not have gotten the knockdown, but you won 10-9 every single round. So Yeah, he he was of
1: It it revealed that his position is built on his rhetoric, his turn of phrase, and it's not built on scripture.
0: I, I guess the strength of Doug Wilson is he no, he is a poet. Like, he is very poetic. And, you know, when he says, was it small-breasted bitties or whatever? <laughs> you know, that, that's poetic language. And, you know, what's-his-face? Uh, Kevin DeYoung took offense at that. I do have a poll. It got... uh, Maybe I'll just show this poll once I find it. But it's a poll that I ran on the subject of, you know, using derogatory language. Uh, Is it a sin to use colorful derogatory language to talk about homosexuals slash homosexuality as Kevin DeYoung argues? Because that is what Kevin DeYoung said, was that uh, Doug Wilson was not qualified to be a pastor because he uses derogatory language for homosexuals. That's basically what he argued. I would argue that's not a sin in and of itself at all, but, and apparently, uh, just to get the complete numbers, 86.2% said, no, it's not a sin. Uh, 10.9% said yes. And then 2.9% said they were too afraid to answer. So 341 votes, which is one of the highest I've ever gotten on a Twitter poll. Hmm. Uh, so those are good results, I guess. It's a white
1: pill result. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's inherently sinful. I mean, I wonder if D Young would be cool with being derogatory toward a white supremacist or, um, like name the other sin that the culture views as heinous. Uh, I'm sure. Like, I mean, you look in, you look at Paul. What does he say about Grecians? Um, oh
0: they're liars and yeah yeah
1: like he, he's being hyperbolic but
0: Jesus calls the Samaritans or the what was it Syrophoenicians or whatever dogs. dog yeah dogs so uh this is we're not done the clip yet so this is the
2: next part I still what's your definition of gender when you say sex and gender are, I believe sex and gender are different what does gender mean in that statement
1: I don't believe sex and gender are different.
2: I believe what is one gender? The same. What is when you say, gen, I didn't even know what that word means. Like if female I was if I was female. from male no, or female. So if it's everything. So it's every listen to me. First, no, wait, What's wait, wait, <laughs> I, I just I just want definition. So I can so we can move on.
0: He's not listening. <laughs> he keeps talking.
1: And
2: uh, I just thought that was ironic. And, and discuss this. What's your definition? Are you saying they're synonyms? Sex and gender are referring to the exact same thing.
1: I'm saying that biologically sex and gender are the same thing concerning if everything was healthy in an individual. Males produce small gametes. Females produce large gametes. All right, that's, what, that's the way I would define male mm-hmm. or female.
2: And that's if sex or is that gender? Is, is that sex?
1: Be, or... Both. The whole, so gen- whole point here so is that, j- that we, gender j- are not different.
2: So sex and gender are, are synonyms, you're saying? I believe they're the same. So I could say if they're the same, then... How are they? How do I believe they're different? If the term gender means sex, and if sex means gender, you could equally say sex and sex, or gender and gender. So, does it make any sense to you that I believe, say, sex and sex are different? Like I don't
1: It makes no sense to me that you would you would endorse people who put pronouns in their bio because they are publicly. That's a different saying, question. That's no, a different they're question. They're publicly saying that their sex is different from their gender. That's what they're. What's saying.
2: gender? What's gender mean? I still. When, you you when, when the it. word gender comes out of your mouth, I don't. I still don't. You just said that gender means sex. So if you put I'm pronouns in there so someone puts pronouns in their bio, bio and gender means sex and you're saying that sex and sex are different I don't I I don't know what you mean by gender
1: Listen for a second please okay So <laughs> they're saying sex and gender are different I'm saying they're not So what's Okay saying, okay 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 So sex and what do they I'm saying they're not
2: Okay do you so do you understand the difference Well I'm not quite sure yet I'm trying to get there Um you're so you use the term gender as a synonym for sex so there is and you're trying to summarize what somebody else means by gender. Can you? Okay, maybe that's where we need to go. What do you think? Because this is a claim. C- can we deal with me first and then talk about other people at the conference? Because I, I just you keep bringing it to like speakers at my conference. And
0: so that that's the clip. And you were just like, sex is gender, or sex and gender are synonymous. Sex and gender are synonymous. And he's just like, what do you mean by s- sex and gender? It's like. Uh, I think this this comment really uh, summarizes it well. Uh, Jared said sex and gender were the same thing three times. Actually, I think that comment came in before he said it a fourth time. Uh, Before Sprinkle asked if they were synonyms.
1: I don't know what he was getting after, like... Like he, He's trying to argue that Gregory Coles putting pronouns in his bio doesn't mean that he's trying to distinguish between sex and gender, but he is. He's telling everybody, even though his name is Gregory Coles, he's obviously a man to everybody. Everybody knows he's a man. He's putting those pronouns in his bio to signal, like you were saying earlier, to people that, oh, I get it that you can separate your gender from your sex. Which gender would be, I identify as something other than my biology. Right? And anyway, I just, that was a frustrating part. I think I even, later on, I'm like, <laughs> like, like I'm just, I'm about tired of talking about pronouns, you know? I,
0: exactly. You're, you're, you're Man Ray. You're, you're trying to explain to Patrick Starr that this is his wallet. It has his ID in it. So that would make it your wallet, right? Yeah. That makes sense to me. So here's your wallet. That's not my wallet.
1: Dude. I do not understand the <laughs> meme. I, I didn't watch SpongeBob no, no. much. I thought it rotted brains, but evidently you survived, man.
0: I, I did survive. And I, there's a SpongeBob quote for everything. According that, that I say to my wife, uh, <laughs> that's so, hilarious. I, I know, the, I know the old lore very well. and It's a it's a very popular meme because Spongebob's the most memed show. Although Sopranos has made a lot of memes this year. I've seen a lot of Sopranos memes in 2023. You young uh, folks and your memes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just thought him trying to delineate sex and gender and saying that other people's treating the issues as separate means that your definition is fallible. I think was the intelligent way to put what he was trying to do.
1: Say that again.
0: So he's trying to say that because other people don't understand gender equals sex, that makes your definition fallible.
1: Yeah, he probably was trying to say that. He was trying to point out that I don't know the modern vernacular or postmodern vernacular for yeah. sex and gender. Do, you know, Jared, do you not know how people use these words? today and i i'm trying to go back to the bible how does the bible use these words right what is the bible talking about the bible doesn't distinguish gender and sex
0: yeah
1: it's again neither did the
0: english language like you look at the uh was it the 1830 or is it 1828 i forget what the exact year it was the webster dis- dictionary right mm-hmm. gender was actually to copulate or t- gender meant to actually have intercourse Hmm. it it was synonymous with that it wasn't like you know the idea of engendering if you're familiar with that word that that word's still used like engender meaning to create in in someone a feeling or something uh Hmm. but gender meant to go in Hmm. so It meant that. So that was the meaning of gender back then. It was actually just as biologically based as sex. And then people later on wanted to say gender is more the social aspect and sex is the biological. But no, it it was actually gender was extremely biological in its definition uh, Hmm. for a long time. So it's also, you know, where you learn that, oh, race means... The same thing as you know nation essentially because the way language worked back in the back then the english language uh but uh people change words and their meanings and there's an agenda behind that like and genders no exception to that rule
1: mm-hmm. so
0: I, I i thought that was a very i mean a lot of people said it was frustrating because there wasn't really a debate There was one person critical of uh, him in the comments. A lot of people didn't like you in the comments, but that's his audience.
2: Uh,
0: He didn't get like negative review bombed or whatever on his channel. Might've been cool if he did, but uh, and then that person said that basically that he wanted to split hairs on gender after you answered his question. So, and that was a trend throughout the whole thing. You would answer his question you would maybe move to ask a, a counter question, but you would get no response because he would just filibuster and then move on to the next issue after you refuse to repent or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if I... Like, I don't misrepresent people. Like, I I don't. I believe that... I do believe it's lying. It's slander. It's deceptive. It's sin. Um. So, I mean, if he you know if his word um, if his words did not did not show that rosario was right i would have publicly repented but i just barely looked and within half an hour of getting off that show with him i found like two or three things that confirmed what rosario said like it, it was it was obvious and but but anyways i just that I mean, he, he lied in more ways than one. And I guess he wanted to insult me to, if he could show that I was lying, then perhaps he might not lose some of the sponsors. He's probably going to lose because donors, um, you know, at a lot of these big universities that are Christian universities, like Liberty university, they, they do not want their kids to be taught by someone who's argue, who's soft on LGBT issues, most folks. But the, the parents don't. And the parents have the money, right, to fund these organizations that are teaching their children.
0: Yeah, when it comes to liberty, it's also the parents going back to school because I, I don't know what the average age of a student is at liberty, but I imagine it's somewhere where a community college would be in, in terms of it being a much older population. Hmm. more older than say you know a traditional four-year secular university like say you know virginia tech or uh university of virginia if you want to stay in virginia or you know what's a more party school like west virginia that's a party school (laughs) so i'm sure their student age is much younger than that of liberty university so they they cater to the adult market or adult adult just just as much in if not even more than the college or the fresh out of high school market to some degree uh so it'd be very interesting because you know one of the things was that you you or rosaria butterfield pointed out that crew uses his resources and it's like he wanted to argue whether you paid for they paid you or or they paid him or whatever and you know what what's the exchange of money? but at the end of the day, it is his use resources and that are being used to advance this agenda
1: now well what what I've heard is that he's in almost every video that is shown to the staff in that curriculum. so, and I've heard that from someone who watched the videos. so i mean he he's just arguing semantics. He's saying, I did not oversee. There's that one word. That's what he's arguing. He's saying that's a lie. When it's not a lie. I mean, if he is, I say, well, are you heavily involved? You know, are you, and he's wanting to say, well, I didn't oversee it. Well, So I was like, well, did they, have you ever been paid by him? And then he wouldn't answer. He was like, you know. So how is he in those videos if he wasn't paid? Oh, exactly. They paid him, of course. That's why he wouldn't answer. He knew. He's trying to argue from semantics, which it's lying. It's deception. Like, if I was, if I, you know, if someone used my material and I knew that I was in almost every video that they used training their staff, and then I would come out publicly and try to say lying, like, why would I do that? Well, because crew is probably super ticked at Preston Sprinkle. <laughs> I mean, this has blown up. It is huge.
0: Yeah. And
1: I haven't done enough coverage of the whole
0: crew thing, but yeah, it, it, it is looking ugly for them. I, I like what John Harris did on the issue, and I can't really top that, so that's why there's been no video on the channel. Because I can't, you know, he had the resources and all that, so I can't necessarily
1: top that. I'm hoping they repent, is what I hope. I hope that they course at the very least course correct but crew is also who gave
0: us rachel gilson yeah she's on staff there she is uh she's still with crew on staff pretty sure i i mean she's part of the keller center and then she's also part of press and sprinkles organization it is a web like that's why i'm trying to create the conspiracy web because it is like there's not many flies getting through this web that's how pretty interconnected it is uh when you look at the various organizations
1: you and need to, you need to talk to megan bash ask her about dark money <laughs> seriously
0: yeah I, I i'll definitely do that but he, here's the thing and this is kind of one of my thesis i think revoice is on the decline uh in my estimation if you look at their current lineup it's not a marquee lineup Like, they they got a worship director that no one's ever heard of, and for reasons. Uh, He's, like, a starving artist, so to speak. This is the biggest event he's probably ever done. And they got two sessions that don't have speakers announced for them. They have one of the same people that's at the Exile and Babylon conference, who's some sort of Instagram theologian or something. Not a big account. Uh. And they have this one dude who I did the video on, who I believe did a video, uh, a podcast with Preston Sprinkle, but he's this up and coming Australian dude. Hmm. So it's it's very interesting. Like, they're not bringing in the big names anymore. Like, I've never heard of this guy. He He's not a past revoice speaker. Um hmm. I believe the last revoice conference, which was 2022, Preston Sprinkle did a pre-conference there. And then he's spoken at it. Uh his people have spoken at it. Uh a lot some of the gospel coalition people have spoken at it. Rachel Gilson, for instance. But I don't see revoice as being the most prominent threat, even though they're big enough now that they have a staff. So these are just some thoughts, I don't know if you're kind of tracking, you know, where this is going. And I see Preston Sprinkle as being the bigger face of it uh, moving forward.
1: Yeah, he is now, he has been able to, um, well, I mean, he's been able to ride. I don't know where he got his money um, to be able to ride, But I want to say, I want to say he taught. He was a VP somewhere at a university.
0: Uh, he He's very academically qualified. So I believe that's gotten him a lot of street cred with these organizations who have given him money. That would be my, you know, without going into conspiracy theory land on dark money and all that. That would be my thought that people let their let guards down because he's academically qualified. Oh, you're for... You have a, a degree from the Master's Seminary and Oxford, or was it Cambridge? I forget which one.
1: He's got a degree from Cambridge or Oxford? Are you kidding me? I
0: believe it's one of those... It, it's a British school, I, I believe. It's not...
1: Well, if it's not... In America. Dude, if he doesn't have a THM, then he's got two two years less than than what most American PhDs have because in the British system, you just got to write a dissertation.
0: Okay. So again, I wouldn't know about academic qualifications and stuff like that. Other than the fact that I know he's academically qualified enough to get people to let their guards down. And I think that's kind of how the camel's nose got under the tent.
1: He's been a professor of theology at Cedarville university. Oh, that's awful. Nottingham University in England. Okay. He, oh, he's got a PhD in New Testament from Aberdeen. British, like I said. Uh, I yeah, was right about that. I like I, I was right
0: about that. I was right about that uh, thing. That's in Scotland, though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a great school, though. Oh, Scottish
0: strong. Presbyterian uh, Covenanter History, I guess.
1: I wonder what he wrote on.
0: Yeah, I mean... Nate collins uh he wrote his dissertation on i believe it was gender minorities in the bible or something like that
1: oh my goodness
0: and he went on to found revoice it's interesting that he was southern baptist trained went on to found revoice which infiltrated the pca and then becca mason's his right hand woman who was like a christian school educator despite all these other views and was kind of like your blue haired feminist. And then he has the art Pereira guy who was the, I live with this one guy in our straight friendship. That's totally not gay at all. Uh, if you remember that video, he is that, that guy now works for revoice. Golly.
1: That is so awful. Like, and
0: he's speaking at Preston sprinkles conference.
1: It's a train wreck, man. A train wreck of, I mean, just, it's just sin. They're just trying to sanctify their sin. And you've got a savior. Why would you try to justify your sin? That, That's the thing, man. I, I don't have to make excuses for my sin. And no one has taken anybody's sins away ever by saying you're not sinning. So Preston Sprinkle spends his life telling homosexuals they're not sinning. And he's not Jesus. That doesn't take their sin away. That doesn't help them. If anything, it keeps them ensnared in heinous sin. Send them running to Jesus, repenting of everything in them that's contrary to God, and embrace not only Jesus, but his ethic, his morality. But that's not what Preston's doing. That's not what any of these guys are doing. They're trying to sanctify. Same sex attraction because they're tired of fighting and dwelling sin. I'm tired of fighting and dwelling sin too, but I've got a savior. I don't need some man to justify me. I've got the God man who intercedes for me.
0: So, to what degree do you think that these people are, you know, if we want to use the term relapse, how many of these people do you think are relapsing in sin? I think all of them are, this.
1: I think all of them that are living with someone are. And by relapsing, I mean they are at the very least mindfully lusting um in their hearts. So in other words, they have romantic affections for these people they're in households with.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean the Art Pereira thing just seemed very obvious in that direction because he was the 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 poster child, and I remember it was Revoice twenty twenty one where I was the one who got the only because they started putting him behind a paywall. It was either that or twenty twenty two. They started putting him behind a paywall, and I was the only one who got access because some dummy decided to share the private link, uh, the private YouTube link on his own personal website, and I found that and I you know, showed the only revoice that was not behind the paywall. And it was just fear mongering about, you know, the church's Orthodox stance. So I, I wonder, because how much these events have gotten a lot more or a lot less polished and whether they've gotten, you know, the, the tie is coming off and the, the the clown wig is coming on. I, I kind of wonder about that, about these events.
1: Well, th- these events, though, aren't they doing more, though? Like, uh, well, they, like more events in the year besides just the one big one? They didn't
0: do any conference in 2023. Really? They didn't do a Rebase 23. I thought they did. No. Hmm. I was on their YouTube channel earlier, uh, and they didn't do it. I mean, I already knew that beforehand because October was when they had it in 2022 but they announced it now in june 2024 so they skipped 2023 which is odd considering they've they've expanded to a paywall model and and stuff like that so it's i'm wondering whether it's going to last but it's a question that i have on my mind so i'm gonna give the call last call for questions we're wrapping things up uh uh you have a book kind of uh what have what's in your book that we kind of haven't uh talked about yet you know just give us a teaser of what else is in there
1: yeah so i uh, exegete uh genesis 3 6 romans 1 james 1 and matthew 5 um i go through from augustine all the way up to the current day on this issue you know I in my dissertation i read probably 100 confessions and catechisms and not one, you know, there. I would, so my educated guess is that in the 1500s and 1600s, that there was not a single confession written by anybody within the Christian tradition that argued um, what Revoice and Preston Spreak on all of them argue about sin. It's, it's absent from church history. like it's, it, it was only among the heretics that argued this stuff. Um, I spend a chapter talking about the temptation of Jesus, and I'll go through how Jesus was truly tempted yet without any evil desire or inclination. argue how the devil offered Jesus objectively good things in the wilderness, angel protection, food to be the king of kings, all those things he was going to receive from God. Um, either during his ministry or after the cross. Uh, the devil tempted the old Adam with lust, sexual morality, adultery, murder, laziness, all objectively evil things. He goes to the true David with only objectively good things. Our, I go through the Garden of Gethsemane, how when Jesus is praying, you know, not my will but yours be done. Um He is not desiring something evil, which is what Matthew Lee Anderson argues, who's a board member of Revoice, teaches at Baylor University. And so I engage him. Uh, I talk about the cry dereliction from the cross and how uh, Jesus was not desiring something evil or doubting God because of that awful article on Christianity Today by Gupta and Najee, I think were the two last names of the professors that argued that Jesus doubted God and uh, argued that he didn't. And then uh, talk about Hebrews 4.15, where Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, just arguing that that is speaking of his true humanity, that he was actually tempted, that he was not tempted with every single possible sin under the sun. You know, Augustine argued that if Jesus was to have an evil desire, he would have to will it because he is morally perfect and that's what adam and eve did they had to eve had to will desire for the forbidden tree because it could not spring within her because she had no flesh she had no original sin jesus doesn't either so he would have to will the desire for evil and then i spend the rest of the book talking about what the side b movement argues for sublimation They believe they can sanctify the non-sexual aspects of homosexual orientation. So the desire for same-sex intimacy, they believe they can sanctify that through friendships. You know, Wesley Hill always pointed to Eve Tushnet, who's a Roman Catholic lesbian. She says she rejects the sexual aspects of her lesbianism and the non-sexual things. She turns to holiness by volunteering at a pregnancy resource center. She gets same-sex intimacy from the women there and that's supposedly sanctifying her her flesh according to scripture which paul says there's the flesh and the spirit you reject the flesh you walk in the spirit the flesh doesn't cross over and become the spirit and the spirit cannot become the flesh these two are opposed to one another that's just extremely creepy to me it's creepy as all get out man like, imagine telling your wife, you know, I'm attracted to a co-worker, but I'm rejecting the sexual stuff. But I am good friends with her so I can get opposite sex intimacy from her. Um, yeah, you would get slapped for that. Yeah. Or worse, killed in your sleep. Um, but yeah, that. Or, so or
0: worse, I, castrated.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't mess with your wife, bro. Uh, but, but at the end of the book, I I talk about how folks can actually get deliverance from sin by identifying it correctly. So I don't believe anyone is gay. There's no such thing as a homosexual rather. There are pathological sin patterns that people have and that Christ can change. And so, so that's what I argue in the book and, and I hope it's helpful and beneficial listener. I want to encourage you to check it out and, um, and it's available on Kindle on Amazon. It's available only paperback copies are at FreeGracePress.com, and then you can get ebook format if you want from Smashwords.
0: I got. I only saw the Kindle version on the on Amazon. I didn't see the print version on the pr- Amazon. The
1: print one, the paperback, is only on Free Grace Press. It's not on Amazon.
0: All right. So the link in the description is an affiliate link. So you help us out both. I want to get your response to a comment that's coming in. Sure. Which looks like it was written by ChatGPT. So let's start off this thread. The issue is a disagreement over what constitutes sin. I actually think that's kind of true. But it kind of goes downhill from here. Uh, Not whether it is right to approve or justify sin so my thought is because they're saying that this is that this attraction's not sinful they're approving and justifying it moreover like we're not even we haven't even talked about the identity of homosexuality that they approve of and justify because that like you talked about sexual orientation not being a thing in the bible but orientation means identity so that's what you're denying that i the identity is You know justifiable you got you got anything to say to
1: this part um i mean we're we are debating over what sin is but biblically speaking you know the bible condemns iniquity in um exodus exodus 34 so iniquity would be a bent character against god or a twisted character against god um Mm -hmm. the 10th commandment says you shall not desire anything that belongs to your neighbor um, You know, Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Jesus says, only the pure in heart shall see God. You know, is it really purity of heart to have homosexual desires? Of course not. Absolutely not. And so, it's sin. If Jesus couldn't do it, it's sin. Um, But uh, in, in my memory, yes, I quoted the Bible in Genesis 2 to Preston. Somebody asked that question. Uh, uh,
0: So the chat GPT response continues. The question becomes whether same-sex sexual behavior is categorically wrong, even if it involves individuals with exclusive sexual orientation who desire a loving, committed
1: relationship. So Genesis 2 describes male-female as God took a piece of the man and made the woman, so she's missing her body. She's missing her body. And then a piece of the man is now gone from his body. And then God brings Eve to Adam and the two become one flesh, which is talking about the sex act. They're one flesh again in, in, in the covenant of marriage. And so two gay people cannot ever become one flesh.
0: Now they can I, never yeah. be married. And I don't know how you could, I don't know, even know why it's it? question of whether uh same-sex sexual behavior is categorically wrong or not like even the side b people think that it is they're just again they're trying to split hairs on the identity and the desire uh continues uh it's important to recognize and respect diversity the diversity views on this complex issue involving sensitive topics like human identity psychology and this is why i said It was chat GPT, because that is written like an AI, Uh, the interpretation of ancient, sophisticated religious texts written in dead dialects is significantly vary, varying on cultural, historical and linguistic context, uh, which is where are we going to, and then the next response in this thread is pride is a sin i guess that might be a dig at us we have to take seriously the accounts of serious harm that person's experience from non-affirming theology so i guess this commenter is gay affirming
1: full gay affirming thank you for telling us so much about yourself but we're here to talk about the bible and what the bible says yes so Uh, i don't care about your feelings folks like it, it doesn't matter about your feelings. Do you want to hear my feelings? Like feelings are irrelevant. It's an anecdotal fallacy.
0: But you got to respect the diversity of the faithful paths one may take, Jared, as it continues. That, that is so ChatGPT. I use ChatGPT quite a bit. That's how it talks. Uh, just saying. Uh, Sexual orientation refers to an exclusive pattern of romantic or sexual attraction to one or both sexes. The newly, this is a newly understood concept based on data sets and rigorous methodologies available, unavailable to the biblical world. Like, tell me that's not written by an AI. Mm. This is not ChatGPT,
1: mm. says the commenter. Well, I'm okay. hearing this for the first time.
0: That that is totally written like ChatGPT. Um, so it's hard, asked,
1: it's hard not to mock. Um, I I know the style
0: of okay, Uh, Jared in your memory Did you quote the bible to Preston
1: Yes Genesis 2 Preston Uh, I don't think referenced the bible At all (laughs) The whole time uh,
0: Yeah I don't Know if he did or not because I don't know Other than to say that you Needed to repent so I think he quoted The bible oh yeah he did
1: quote proverbs didn't he Yes Uh, abomination yeah And lying
0: and stuff uh, yeah. Romans okay. one was set up to lead us, set up what leads to same sex attraction, and it's a bad road the entire way. I mean, again, desire burned in their burned with passion, like is used in Romans one. So it talks about desire, it talks about sinful desire. So, um, that. Uh seems to be all our questions. Um, like I you already plugged your book. Uh, I'll let you know you can support evangelical dark web at evangelical slash join. This is a patreon like system we built our own because Patreon censors. So that's where you gotta go to support us in our Patreon like system. Otherwise, evangelicaldarkweb.org um is the website, and we have a uh newsletter that you can subscribe to. That's completely free. That gives you Christian news in your inbox each and every day. And there's more articles than videos or podcasts. Okay, we got a challenge from A. Uh, Cite any text from the Bible, biblical world that includes all the modern elements of sexual orientation, exclusive, unchosen, unchanging pattern of sexual attraction to the same sex. I got to reject the premise because there is no such thing as sexual orientation which would be the biblical position would re- to be reject that. Um, secondly, the existence of bisexuality would mean that it's not exclusive. Um, unchosen again, prison. I think disproves that uh, there's a lot of ways to disprove that uh, women having experimental phases in college disproves that unchanging. Again, we can see that there's change was you know, it was the person that was married and then came out as gay and you know, uh and left their wife for a dude, is that person did that person not change in their orientation according to your logic and pattern of sexual attraction to the same sex? I don't see how that's an element of sexual orientation unless it's an element of homosexual orientation.
1: So so listener A, I see you got your name as A. Um, God doesn't have to list every single sin under the sun. Show me, show me in the Bible where it's a sin to, um, have a sexual relationship with a doll. Show me where that's condemned in the Bible. You can't find it. So therefore it's okay. I don't think um, necrophilia is
0: condemned in the scriptures either, other than being unclean for touching a dead body.
1: It It is, it is, uh, okay, in one a- place. I think in, uh, I think, or Israel was involved in that at one point uh, when in Moses' writings. Uh, but my point is is that Genesis 2 tells us what sexual morality is. Everything else that is not that is sin. God has designed male and female for a particular purpose. and anything that doesn't measure up to God's design, is sin. God doesn't have to tell us every single possible thing. Like there's no telling what's coming in 10 years. Um, You know, but God doesn't have to now, Oh, we got to write another book and try to No, He has told us what sexual morality is. He has told us what is obedience. Everything else is disobedience.
0: That. And there's no, again, you've set this, you've pointed to the gold standard that God laid out in Genesis two. I would also say, where's the counter example of something else that, uh, where's the positive example of this person's obviously side A, where's the positive example of homosexuality in scripture, it doesn't exist. They point to six clobber passages, which ignores much of the old Testament in which there were male prostitutes. And I'm gonna assume, I mean, the Bible doesn't spell it out, but women don't need to pay for sex. Uh, so those were boy on boy prostitutes in in scripture,
1: and a one thing too. I know that theological liberals who don't even believe the Bible is true, but who know the languages, have argued that the Bible condemns homosexuality in toto. They
2: totally. just disagree,
0: and they're just honest about it.
1: Yeah, they they disagree. There, some of them are even gay. They say they're homosexuals, and they say yeah. The Bible condemns homosexuality totally. We don't believe it, but that's what it says. And so yeah. take take it up with the theological liberals.
0: Uh, we're being asked, what's the positive example on interest on loans? I mean, to, first of all, again, I'm not a what? fan of interest on loans, but they also had real money back then. So what's when you talking? loan someone money, usury being a sin, I guess. So, if you loan someone money nowadays, you lose because of inflation. You don't actually get that money back in full. So, you charge an interest. You would have to charge a rate of interest that matches inflation to get your money back. So Is we he can trying to
1: reference civil law, Israel's civil law, and try to force that on all Christians in human history. Wow, that sounds like
0: theonomy, but. I, I agree that there is something called usury as sin. Sure. It's a different question when we don't have real money that they did back in those days.
1: That is you know. such a – that is not even comparing. That's comparing apples and oranges. I mean it's like saying, so what is moral? Well, it's love. Right? There was
0: a comment about that actually.
1: you feel You feel – Um, you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you fulfill the law, love your neighbor as yourself. And, um, that's the standard. So anything that doesn't measure up, like I was, you know, I've made the argument in other books about that. It's sin for a Christian to see, uh, someone in a sexual situation because you're not loving your neighbor. You're devaluing him or her. You're devaluing yourself as an image bearer. Um, And so, but it's not sinful to see someone nude if you're seeking to help him or her, like parents. Yeah, good Samaritan. Parents giving parents giving their children baths. um, Medical folks, nurses, doctors—they see naked people all the time. Uh, But anyway,
0: also worth noting the parable of talents. uh, Jesus says the master says that you could have put it in the bank and. Got an interest so apparently that's a positive Example of interest in the bible uh, But Yeah and maybe they had Some inflation I mean Rome Was known for debasing uh, Its currency but not in Jesus Day at least but Yeah I mean Usury and interest is a topic For another day but I, I It's apples and oranges to compare That to sexuality And concupiscence thereof um So, anyway, I think that's all we got for tonight. Uh, my name's Ray. This is Dr. Jared Moore, our esteemed guest. Go get his book, Lust of the Flesh. Uh, and we will catch you on the next one. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and
1: delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving.